from LPM. Louisville Public Media. Support comes from Vision Zero. On foot or behind the wheel, safety is a shared responsibility. And Vision Zero Louisville believes zero roadway fatalities is the only acceptable amount. Their mission is to create safe roads by design, engineering solutions, and education. More information at visionzerolouisville.org. Whether it's at radio station, I'm in a, a board meeting for whatever event that's taking place. I'm on stage rapping or I'm in the classroom teaching, you know. It just depends. But, I'm, you know, I'm always me no matter what. From 89.3 WFPL and Louisville Public Media, this is Five Things, the show that tells a life story through the objects we treasure. I'm Tara Anderson. On each episode, we talk about five things. Yep, physical objects that are meaningful to our guest. Those things can symbolize pivotal life moments. They can help us remember important people or a work of art that's been influential. Sometimes the guests bring the objects with them, and sometimes the objects are only a memory. This week's guest brought all five of his things in his pocket. He's a teacher, a rapper, and a connector between different groups in a city that can be pretty divided. My name is Jacory, 1200 Arthur. I'm a music educator, composer, performer. I guess that's it. <laughs> Not much, you know. Tell me a little bit about your nickname. I bought a recording studio when I was 12. It was called the Korg D1200, so the name just caught on. I was on it so much that my friends just started calling me that. All right, so you've brought five things today that are uh, meaningful, significant to your life, and you had them all in your pocket. Yeah, a little, little intimate totems, if you will. Yeah. Tell me about the first one you want to talk about. It's a Lego man, and it's actually a, a custom-built Lego man. He's black, if you didn't notice, <laughs> and he has a, a 1200 shirt on. My friend Elmo got this for me for my birthday a few years ago, I think, and it's significant to me because Lego was the first creative outlet that I had as a youngster. It was a creative fantasy world, if you will, so I just built whatever I wanted, took things apart, took their heads off, changed heads, legs, arms, whatever, hands, and I just created in whatever fashion that I possibly could. And I think that was the bridge to me creating through music. What kind of things did you build? Castles. I really liked castles, like all the medieval times and whatnot. Spaceships. I liked cars, that kind of thing. How did you come by this particular little Lego guy? You said a friend of yours got it for you as a gift. Yeah, I didn't even know you could have custom Legos or black Legos. So. I've never seen a black Lego person. <laughs> I'm the first of my kind, so no, this <laughs> is a very special Lego. It's, uh, it usually just sits on my desk in my office and hangs out. He actually has a little microphone in his hand, too, that you can take out. So this is me. This is Lego 1200. Maybe I'll have my own kit one day. If you had your own Lego kit, what would it be? What would it make? I'd be a, a knight or, like, you know, kings and queens times, that kind of thing, or, or maybe a, an astronaut, that kind of thing. That's that's where my head was in the Lego world, space or medieval times. So 
far away from real life. Yeah, I'm a big kid. So yeah, <laughs> Legos definitely let me have that outlet creatively. Where'd you grow up? West Louisville, Parkland area, Olive Street. And I went to Maupin Elementary School, which was like just the next street over. And then I transferred to Coleridge. And then I moved, moved, moved a few times. Went to Stewart Elementary School, went to Conway Middle School. Excuse me, Stewart Middle School and Conway Middle School. And then I went to PRP for four years. I got bussed out there. That's where I found my love for the band world. What instrument did you play? Percussion. And really, I I started out just wanting to play snare drum because I thought I was Nick Cannon, but I slowly <laughs> had to learn to do everything. You can't just play snare drum. You got to have the moves, too. Do you have I, the moves? Somewhat, I've been told. But I, I just kind of <laughs> make up moves. I'm sure he did, too. Yeah. At some point. Was there music in your house growing up? It's weird because I don't I don't really have any musicians in my family. I mean, I have a few people who, you know, dibble-dabble a cousin who plays the drums and whatnot, but there's no formal musical training within my household or, you know, even in the exterior of my of my family. So I don't know where music came from. It just came from nowhere. My grandmother used to listen to a lot of, like, soul music and R&B. And then my aunt, she listened to a lot of hip-hop. But she also listened to a little bit of everything. But I never really noticed until I grew up and, and thought, wow, you know, I remember hearing that band when I was younger. So my family listened to a little bit of everything, but I would definitely say more along the lines of hip-hop, R&B, soul, that kind of music, blues. And so you did band at PRP, and from there, where'd you go? I was going to Full Sail. That's a university in Florida, and I was going to be a recording engineer. But, you know, those are just kind of far-fetched dreams in terms of going to this private university, this special university in I wanted to learn more about music itself as opposed to some of the the technical things. So I went to the University of Louisville. I was sold on the program, on him as a person and a a mentor. So I went there after my band director said I would be a a good band director, a good band teacher, but I'm not doing that. I teach general music. (laughs) Did you ever think about teaching band? Not really. I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to be a musician of some sort, but... I didn't know to what extent. I think growing up with the people that I grew up with, you had to be like be an, a sports person. You had to be playing ball or you had to be a rap star or something like that. You know what I mean? But I, I never really cared for either one of those paths. So I just wanted to learn music, all types of music, reading it, notating it, classical composers, that kind of thing. So that's the route I went. And now I teach kids and try to give them those same resources and those same expressional outlets and helping them find out what they want to be in life. Was your family supportive of your interest in music professionally? Absolutely. And it's funny to look back on because like like a sixth grade band concert, it's it's awful. Like people like think, <laughs> oh, you know, that sounded great. Or you tell your kid it sounded great. Like I remember them always telling me everything sounded great. But looking back on it, I know for a fact it was awful, you know. <laughs> well, it's a heart, though, right? <laughs> yeah, it's it's about the heart. But, you know, everybody's playing out of tune. A lot of times they're not even playing together. So it's, it's funny to look back on it and think about how supportive they actually were, even though what I was producing wasn't of quality or fine quality or fine art. So they were very supportive, and they stuck through the, the out-of-tune playing and, and the band practices and the concerts and whatnot. 
Mm. What did your parents do? They're in the medical field. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Every everybody. My grandmother works with the government, air pollution, and my aunt. She's in the medical field. My mother's in the medical field as well. Okay. Did you grow up with your mom and your dad in the house? No. I grew up in everybody's house, you know, mm. so whether it's aunt, uncle, whoever. But I spent a nice quality time with my mother. And then later in life, my father as well. But I was around all sorts of people, cousins, great aunts, great uncles, great grandmothers. So I was raised by West Louisville, really, you know. The village. Yeah, by mm-hmm. the village. You mentioned that you moved around a lot. What necessitated those moves? I don't know. You know, I was in my Lego world at the time, so I, I didn't really, I didn't really try and get into, let's say, like the reality of man. You know, we're broke, or something's going on with this person in my family, and their relationship deteriorated. So I, I was just in my own world, creating and and trying to have a, a better outlook on life, a better perspective. Did you take your Legos with you when you moved from one place to the other? Yeah, it was hard to keep them all in one place because I had so many and they're so small and, and easy to lose. But I had my Legos all over the place. Maybe five years ago, I gave all of my Legos to my little brother, Cam. You gave them all away? I gave every single one away, except for this one. This was a gift, though. So, But no, I mean, he's he's cool, but I can come and play with him anytime I want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How old is he? Cam is actually eight. Yeah, yeah, he goes to the school I teach at. He just oh. transferred there at the end of the school year. So What's that like, being in the same school with your little brother? It's weird. He calls me Corey. You know, my family calls me Corey instead of Ja'Cory. And his teacher had to give the classroom a talk about how he's going to call me that, but they still have to call me Mr. Arthur. So it was it was funny. How did you decide to give your Legos away? That, that, that feels like it would be a big moment. It was so, so important to you. I know I can always get them anytime I want. Cam's my dude. <laughs> yeah, I can always go back and, and play. If I want to be an architect instead of a musician, I can always go back and that's my buddy. So it was all right. You know, I moved on. I found music and that was a bigger outlet for me. to move on to the next thing dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. this is a keychain from switzerland i think i was a junior at L, about to be a senior and i traveled with the wind symphony to perform in interlochen switzerland at a music festival the jung fry music festival i think i said that right and that was the first time i left the country that was also the first time i was on an airplane which is quite the first plane ride you know you're going overseas like 12 hours and I would probably say that's the longest amount of time I had spent away from my family away from Louisville as well it was just a lot of first packed into one trip and with that being said it was also the first time that I was really exposed to more than the four walls of Louisville the same people the same sounds the same sights it was completely different. It was a different culture, a different atmosphere, musically, artistically, just, you know, socially. It was just very different for me. And I think that this trip opened up my eyes and molded me into the person that I am today. And it made me want to travel more. It made me realize that, wow, 
there's something more than what I see growing up in Louisville. And I think everyone should travel. It's very important for people to get outside of their neighborhood, outside of their city, and just see the world, experience new things, eat different foods, hear different kinds of music. So this keychain's from Switzerland, and definitely a top three moment of life for me of all time. So I'll never forget that trip and that experience. What did you like about Switzerland? The air, the water, the the atmosphere, the nature. I mean, there were rivers over there that literally looked like blue Gatorade. It was just so clean and so pure, <laughs> and it was it was just crazy. Everyone spoke multiple languages, but everyone also spoke English. So that was another thing. I was like, man, I need to pick back up on my Spanish and my French, you know. So it was just crazy to to be in that that place. It just felt different physically. My being being there is just a whole different vibe. Do you remember the first thing you did when you got off the plane over there? I was listening to the new Jay-Z album at the time. And there's actually a song where one of the featured artists on the songs that I just landed in Europe. So it was like perfect moments. I was dancing. Yeah, I got off the plane with the earplugs and I was dancing. Yeah. (laughs) Beautiful. What was the thing that surprised you most? about traveling to Switzerland? Seeing so many different people, kinds of people speak our language was surprising. I didn't expect that. It was almost it was almost this little, this little bit of fear inside of me where I thought, you know, maybe there would be a learning curve in terms of just communicating with someone. But no, everyone, whether you were from Asia, Europe, whatever, Africa, it didn't matter. Everyone spoke English. They used that to connect. We use that to connect with them. And I think that was definitely the the most eye-opening thing for me and the most shocking because, you know, a lot of Americans we speak English and that's about it. We don't care to learn another language. We don't we don't look at it that way. But I think it's important to be bilingual, trilingual because communication is key. So the more you can communicate, absolutely. Have you dusted off your Spanish or your <laughs> French? You made good on that? No. I you know, I haven't dove deep into it I think that once you get to a certain age it's just really hard and difficult to to learn a different language but I communicate well with with some of the students at school that speak different languages and I think it's it's almost like a cheat code for music because of music and teaching a certain style you can I've, I've done whole lessons where I don't speak at all so I think that that's important for people to practice and learn that you can communicate in a nonverbal way how do you do a lesson where you don't even talk I just tried it one day and the kids thought I was insane because I didn't say a word. I didn't talk. I think at one point in time I wrote one thing on the board, but I would I would mime things or I would give an example and then they would, you know, follow suit. Or I would have another kid communicate for me. And if someone got it, I'd point to them and give them a thumbs up. It's interesting because kids figure it out. You can do anything and they will just figure it out. So I've actually done that for extended periods of time where I would maybe just have one class that I just didn't speak to for three weeks. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and and then they would come back in and I would say something. They were like, oh, you, you talk. I'm like, yeah, we can talk today. So, <laughs> but no, I just, you know, you model for the kids and you, you rely on them and you believe in them and you trust them and they will, they will follow through. Got any plans for another international trip? Yeah, I went to London last January and I went over there with Louisville Downtown Partnerships, Rebecca Matheny and a couple people from City Collaborative. We produce Resurface. 
So I went there with them to work on this partnership with the university in Leicester, which is just north of London. And we're actually going back eventually, sometime in early fall. So that's very exciting. We'll have a resurface overseas. And for people who don't know what resurfaced is, can you explain? Resurfaced is a pop-up plaza for art music celebration of, you know, Louisville. And it has happened on East Main Street behind torn down building facades. It's happened on 10th Street, where 10th Street meets the river under an overpass. It's it's happened in quite a few different places. And as of now, we're on the corner of Liberty and Shelby Streets. And we're just popping up and we're celebrating. We have local music. We have local art. We have local food and drink, local everything. It's Louisville, Louisville, Louisville elevated and highlighted just to show you what we have to offer and also bring people together. Because when we did the 10th Street version, we had people from all over town come down past 9th Street and we showed them that you can go anywhere in Louisville and and live and celebrate and be happy and and just experience this culture. Just barely past 9th Street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Maybe one day we'll go deeper. Oh my God, like 12th Street? Um, like 28th. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I've noticed that the the resurfaced locations they're they're places that are kind of kind of dead spots. Yeah, there's there's nothing going on in these spots. We just we drop in and and pop up, drop and pop. And then what's your role in putting this together? Director of programming. So Ooh. I decide what happens, when it happens, and sometimes how it happens. Everything from booking musicians to booking artists to booking someone to come in and and give a talk about a new book they wrote, you know, whatever might be happening that day in terms of programming. I'm the one providing the activities for the sites. You're moving in a lot of different worlds. Sometimes. It depends on the day of the week. Like one day I might just be a teacher. Another day I'm like, I'm not teaching. Like we're going to book resurface today, kids. (laughs) (laughs) So it just depends. Do you ever change the way that you talk or the way that you approach other people when you're in different roles? Or is it always the same guy? You know, the other day I, I, I described what I do almost like a, like a chameleon. So like wherever I am, I just kind of fade into the wall and become the color of the room and the people in it. And I think that that's important in any aspect of, of business, the relationships you build. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm always me. I'm always Jacory. I'm always 12. I'm always Mr. Arthur. I'm always West Louisville, you know, no matter what, whether it's at radio station, I'm in a, a board meeting for whatever event that's taking place. I'm on stage rapping or I'm in the classroom teaching, you know, it just depends. But I'm, you know, I'm always me no matter what. This is a concert ticket, Kanye West, the Yeezus tour. I went to go see Kanye in December 2013. Me and my friend Reims, we drove down to Atlanta. And I'm a big Kanye fan, you know, I, I think just the way that he produces art and speaks his mind is is interesting and it's inspiring. So we went to see the concert and we love the concert, of course. We were right next to the stage, and at the very end of the concert, he was closing out his last song. He saw me, he bent down, and he gave me his microphone. And I finished the end of one of his songs called Bound To. So he gave me his microphone, and 
of course I'm like I'm blacked out going crazy going like this is wild so you know after that security came and got me and my friend and they took us to this VIP area where we were just hanging out with all of his friends and family and whatnot and I'm back there just in total shock still because what had just happened my phone's dead Rames's phone is dead and we're just in VIP hanging out with Kanye's friends (laughs) like not saying a word and just in the corner looking awkward so uh security kept coming back saying hey we're gonna they took the microphone from and they said we're gonna get Kanye to come back here and give you the microphone back blah, blah 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 but he never came I never got the microphone back but but that was that was the experience and at the concert Kanye went on this long long rant about living your dreams and how there are two kind of people in this world you have dreamers and haters and the haters forgot that they were dreamers at one point in time so he was just like no matter what whatever you do in life just don't let anyone turn you into a hater like always just live your dreams and follow your heart whether you want to like design shoes or a rap or be a ball player like whatever you want to do just do it and go for it and you know I felt something special came from that message and I took that and then he gave me that microphone and the next month I had a I had a show I had a show where I performed one of my first shows and from from then I just kept doing what I did and I listened to that and followed that no matter what happened so when he handed you the mic you finished it with his words or were you tempted to throw down some of your <laughs> his words like <laughs> <laughs> it was a, it was a few seconds so I, I didn't even think to like oh man I'm about to rap and get signed or anything you know so his words it, it was a crazy moment you know just even thinking about it I'm like getting goosebumps because it was insane. I've never heard of anything like that at a concert. That's amazing. And somebody who, um, let's say, has a healthy ego like Kanye West, yeah. letting somebody else do a few lines. Yeah. That's kind of amazing. It was wild. How did he react? He smiled and he was dancing and just watching me rap. <laughs> it was weird. <laughs> Earlier in the concert, he gave me a high five. So I was, I thought that was cool. But when he gave me the microphone, I'm like, oh, man, what just happened? So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who else do you listen to on a regular basis? Tchaikovsky, Philip Glass, a lot of local music. What is it that you like about Tchaikovsky? What does Tchaikovsky do for you? Just the way it sounds, the way it makes you feel, the colors that are used in any of the compositions, whether it's a piano or a full symphony orchestra. And I also performed Tchaikovsky's Fourth Symphony with the symphony orchestra at UofL and fell in love with it fell in love with him as a composer and I just remember sitting on that stage for three movements which was like 30 something minutes and waiting to play that fourth movement and you know I just became the music it just covered my whole body up you know I became the music so much and then when that fourth movement hit I played the bass drum part so it was almost like just this explosion of happiness so Tchaikovsky stuck with me forever and ever after that what about uh, Philip Glass? I have not heard many people say that they really love Philip Glass. What do you learn from him? In Music Lit, we studied minimalism for a bit, and I just really appreciated the way that he took music and made you question what music was, especially classical music, because he just avoided all of the rules, all of the limitations, all of the Lego kit manuals that someone handed him and said, this is what I'm going to make and deal with it. And I think that's brilliant. If you introduced yourself as a musician 
do you identify as a hip-hop artist? Do you identify as a percussionist? Do you have any particular identity as a musician? I found myself fighting with myself over this a lot because sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm a bit annoyed. They're like, oh, this is Jacor, He's a rapper. It's like, no, you know, I'm, I'm a musician. I do all sorts of things, you know, whether I'm playing piano in a classroom with kindergartners or I'm rapping on stage or I'm playing timpani in the back of a symphony orchestra. Like, I'm just a musician. And I don't think it's a matter of, someone came at me one time about being jack of all trades it's just it's not about that it's in my dna as a percussionist to be well equipped to perform in whatever capacity because if you look at a percussionist i'm all over the place you know i might play snare drum on this piece and then move over and play the triangle on the next well you know marimba on this one it doesn't matter so i'm all over the place that's my life you know i lived that since the sixth grade so of course, you know, I study it, learn it even better, and it starts to affect other aspects of my life, whether it's being this kind of musician or that kind of musician. I'm just a musician. You know, I just recorded a song with Steve Cooley the other day. A lot of people consider him one of the greatest bluegrass musicians, period, in Kentucky or outside of Kentucky. And I've never, ever imagined making music like that. But I did. I played piano on that track, I played drum set on it, and I rapped on it. So, <laughs> you know, you can call me whatever you want to call me. At the end of the day, I'm just Jacory. And Steve was playing banjo? He played banjo, bass, guitar. We both did three things each, you know, and we threw that on the track, and now we have some magic. spin from forecastle last year i got this performing with dr dundiff and friends at the festival and that was my first major music festival experience as an artist it was hot it's the forecastle story yeah oh my mm -hmm. goodness <laughs> it was by far the most intense rewarding musical time as a rapper for me I lied. A few weeks before that were, I played with Teddy Abrams in the Louisville Orchestra. But this was the second one because you had about 25 different musicians from the hip-hop hip realm within Louisville and the local music community coming together. And this was important because a lot of times people think of hip-hop as like a competitive sport, like super cutthroat. You know, a rapper might dish you for wearing some shoes he doesn't like, you know, or you get some sort of success and all of a sudden somebody wants to say something slick, but it's, this was a moment where all of the egos were put aside. All of the, the platforms of whatever level of artist you were were put aside and we all just got on the same stage and we rocked and we had Jim James up there with us and we just celebrated this Louisville hip hop community. And it was a family affair. And Dr. Dundiff was like the grandfather sitting at the table, you know, saying the prayer so it was a powerful moment and experience do you have like a five-year vision a 10-year vision 
What do you want to see for yourself? So I have some relationships now that I'm really just cultivating and waiting, watching the seeds just grow into beautiful plants. And I'm hoping that in five years, I'll still be teaching at Height Elementary School and take the music program to a, a whole other level that no one ever thought it could be on. I'll be performing still, but more so like an educational performance workshop situation where I'm giving a concert and teaching at the same time for youth. I'm also working with an organization called Funding the Future, and that's based out of Louisville, out of Kentucky, and they have a band called Gooding. They travel all across America, and they give free assemblies to schools about financial literacy and making smart decisions with money. So I'm on the board for that, and hopefully I'll be a part of some of the performances as well as traveling and helping restructure how that program looks. But between that and City Collaborative and teaching, I'm just trying to make Louisville a better place, the best city in the world. fifth thing that you brought yeah and it was hard to decide I knew what it was going to be but I didn't know which one I have a drawer in my desk and it's just notes on top of notes like hundreds of notes that my students write me you know sometimes they're drawing sometimes they're just little cards or little sticky notes with like little things on them but I chose this one because this is from a kindergartner and it's just a little ripped up piece of paper and it says Arter on it A-R-T-E-R, which is supposed to say Arthur, but they put Arthur. And they drew a trophy, a little golden trophy. And I chose this one because I think in the in the music world, there is competition. There is comparison. There is there's judgment. There is subjectivity. But all of those other things sometimes take priority when we consider what music is and we're like oh my goodness that was awful or he or she sounded so bad or this is better than that or you know that album's trash like we don't consider music to be really what it is it's just an art form that you can perceive it how you want to perceive it there is no right or wrong it's music it's something that came from someone's mind someone's heart someone's soul and I think as a music educator we do the same thing quite often. Even like competitive marching, man, we think trophy, trophy, first place, first place, first place. And I don't think it's about that because the students are the trophies. And that when students graduate and they continue music, when they go and study music, or even if they don't study music and they just join a community band or a community choir, that's a victory for them. The fact that they appreciate music. So I chose this trophy, you know, being someone that as of recently, like people say I'm an award-winning artist, and even though I am, I don't look at life that way. I consider the students as trophies. So the fifth graders that I just had graduate, if they appreciate music, I won. We won. They won. The world wins. Art wins. Music wins. So the students are the trophies. What's the role of art in our lives? I mean, there's so many other, you know, I'm playing devil's advocate here, but there's so many other things to think about. There's so many other things to worry about. People have serious problems where does art fit into that 
art is so like a double-edged sword kind of because not only can you take those issues of the world the realities and put them into an art form you can also use that art form to take you away from that that reality so i talked about legos and kind of nonchalantly ignoring some of the things that were going on in my life some of the struggles and issues with my family and just putting my my mind into creating legos it took me out of that world but also it could put me in that world and i could express what i'm going through through art form so i would you know build, build a house that i wanted to live in when i grew up knowing that i might be in a, a situation living wise that i didn't really like so this is what I want my house to look like when I'm older. You know, this is the game plan for me. And then also, you know, just dreaming and imagining and thinking, how can I get myself out of this situation? So art can can help you get out of those situations. And it can also help you express and put your perspective on those situations. So you said you hope in, in five years you're still teaching music at high elementary. Do you think you'll always be an educator like is that part of is that part of your plan a lot of people take a teaching gig until the performing pays the bills so what do you think about that I'll always teach and you know quite honestly it might not be at height you know I might be teaching at a university somewhere whether it's in Louisville or or outside of this place but I will always want to share what I know with the next person with the youth because they're running the world when we're gone. And it's important that they have all of the information they could possibly ever need and use. So I'll definitely always teach, no matter what happens to me as a performer. I've got one last question. What, if anything, did you learn about yourself by pulling together these five items? Hmm... This is the hardest question I've ever been asked in my entire life. <laughs> I think that seeing these five items makes me feel as if I'm I'm pieces of other things that I've experienced in life. And we all are, really. I mean, if you think about who you grew up with, your friends, teachers, family, whatever we are really just pieces of, of other people and things, you know? So I am a kid who used to play with Legos. I am the, the culture that I experienced going over to Europe. I am a piece of Kanye. I am a piece of the music scene in Louisville. I am a piece of my students, like all rolled into one person, me. Thank you, Jacory 1200 Arthur, for coming by our studio and sharing your pocket full of memories. You've been listening to Five Things, a production of 89.3 WFPL News and Louisville Public Media. I'm Tara Anderson. Today's show was produced, edited, and mixed by me with assistance from Laura Ellis. Executive producer is Stephen George. We had music today from Cyrus, Ryan Little, Blue Dot Sessions, and Jazzar. And our theme music is by Alex Wright. You can get more information on our show at WFPL.org. Thanks for listening.
Support comes from Vision Zero. On foot or behind the wheel, safety is a shared responsibility. And Vision Zero Louisville believes zero roadway fatalities is the only acceptable amount. Their mission is to create safe roads by design, engineering solutions, and education. More information at visionzerolouisville.org.